0: We are here at our dating forum, wisdom and dating forum, and uh, it's been a long time coming. There's been a lot of prayer and a lot of preparation into this night. The, um, the team that has put this together has been planning this for some time. How, Matt, how many months? Like several months? A year, like, over a year. Over a year. Yes. Wow. Um, they've been planning this for over a year. Recently, Ashley, my wife, and I had them over for dinner to talk about uh, the singleness series and everything they've been learning in this dating forum. And uh, it was crazy that Ashley and I were taking notes on being single and we were taking notes on dating. And it was so fun and so fascinating to learn. Um, but what's special about tonight is that we're beginning to have these conversations openly, honestly, and I think they're gonna be really, really helpful. Um, and I think there's gonna be, I really believe there'll be some tectonic shifts in the way we're going to start practically living out uh, our faith in Christ, specifically in and around uh, dating. And so, would you uh, join me as I begin by praying and then inviting uh, Matt to come up? Let's pray. Lord, we we want to honor you. We want to live our lives in step with the Spirit. And oftentimes, God, that's really hard to do with wisdom in dating. And so I pray that you would impart to us by the power of your spirit wisdom, wisdom that doesn't come from f- necessarily failing, wisdom that doesn't come from making the wrong decision, but wisdom that comes from above, wisdom that kind of like Solomon asked for, um, that you you endowed to him. Lord, we want that kind of wisdom to happen through uh, the lives and the experiences of others in ways that you start tearing down walls, that our society builds up, that we build up and that you would tear down shame, and that you would tear down um, even our own ways that we have failed, and Lord, would you in its place build up a love and unity of the spirit, God, and a freedom. Uh, let freedom in here just um, reign in a way that is uh, beautiful, and then we just step into it um, as your sons and your daughters. Um, thank you for this time. We pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your wisdom tonight. In the powerful name of Christ. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, welcome, everybody. Um, my name is Matt Barrios. I work here at the church. I'm uh, the leadership training and development minister, and it's my joy and my privilege to get to uh, yeah, just minister to, a, I think, a, an area, an aspect of our lives that uh, I think people have been wanting some ministering to for a while, right? Uh, I feel like it's in basically every other conversation that I have is like, hey, can we talk about dating now? Like, in a, as a Christian, what does that mean? What does that look like? So. Um, Yeah. So we're going to get to that. We're going to get to some teaching. This is going to be like a multifaceted evening for tonight. Like the reason why we call it a forum is because uh, this isn't our normal lecture format that we typically have uh, on these Monday nights. Uh, So it won't all be me monologuing. You're welcome for that. (laughs) Uh, It will instead be, uh, yeah, just like a variety of experiences for us to walk through. So um, some teaching, some interaction with one another, some Prayer, all of that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a good night. And uh, I just want to pay honor to uh, some of the crew that has been putting this together. They're, you're going to see them throughout the night. But um, Sharon O, Jeannie Chen, uh, Stephen Headland, uh, Moses Ike, Brooke Bizrat, uh, Chelsea Galt. Just thank you all so much. Honor to you guys for just helping put tonight together. And. Um, yeah, many others who have been wonderful conversation partners in this, and um, yeah. And with that, let's let's hop into it. So one of the things that uh, we wanted to do is get a read of the room. So um, go ahead and pull out your phones. This will be the. After I'll have you pull out your phone, and then I'm going to have you put it away. All right. So, but first, you get to pull it out. Um, and we're going to do a little bit of an interactive survey where you're going to be able to see the uh, results on the screen behind me. Um, so first of all, go to. Uh, there it is, menti.com, M-E-N-T-I.com. And then you can use this, quote, uh, this code 129151. I just ask for everybody in the room to do this if you have a phone that's capable of doing this. All right? So, or, or pull up a laptop even if you want. So, Oh, hey, we've already got some responses. Excellent. Oh, it's live. So we're getting a read on, uh, first of all, just what's the gender in this room. I'm just kind of curious, like, this is interesting. <laughs> All right, good job. It's so fun to watch it tick one person by one person. All right, some people preferring not to answer. Thank you. All right, love it. So I'm guessing there's probably like, probably like 350 or so people in this room right now. So we'll just wait one sec as all the uh, all the people are being accounted for. All right, okay, so um, these are gonna keep coming in, uh, and that's totally fine. We can keep watching it tick behind me uh, as I'm commenting on it, but, so that, that's just one thing that we can notice. I mean, we could probably actually look around and kind of notice it um, in one sense, but just to put it up on the screen. Like, uh, There's our, our gender divide for tonight. Like, That's just uh, what that looks like, so, um, and uh, yeah, and so we can acknowledge that. That's just some of what's going on um, in our churches. There's, um, I think this is actually kind of keeping with some of the all church data that we have taken before, which is uh, that there's uh, more women than men uh, who are single in our church. Um, And that's just a thing to know, just to know that is in the room and in our conversation, all right? So (laughs) that's that. Second, let's move on to the next one. All right, uh, where'd you grow up? I mean, I think region actually plays into a little bit of uh, how we perceive dating and what, it, what we think it ought to be like. Um, so just toss out. Where are you from? What region are you from? This is going great. Good job. Yeah, lots of West Coast being represented. <laughs> lots of West Coast. Also a surprising number of international folks. That's pretty cool. Yeah, international folks. Yeah, where'd you grow up? Got some Midwesterners, some Southerners, some folks from the East Coast. Again, we're doing this because we want to acknowledge that uh, for lots of us, how we uh, how we learn to date was formed according to a geographic region, it turns out. Like, that plays into it. For example, you think of. Uh, you know, the debonair Southern gentleman, so to speak, like that's your ideal of what things should be like, or the West Coast freedom, and the, you know, we should be able to do whatever we want, or the East Coast propriety, or who knows what. I don't even know what it's like internationally, so I won't comment on that one. (laughs) But where'd you grow up? Thank you. Let's move on to the next one. What's your ethnic background? Uh, Again, we, we want to acknowledge that. For lots of us, we come from diverse ethnic backgrounds. For some of us, um, this heavily plays into what we think about dating, um, how we learn to date, all of it. So we're just going to take a look at this. Cool. So, there's a picture of uh, you know the ethnic demographics in this room. Um, so, predominantly uh, white, Caucasian, or Asian. Um, so, that's uh, you know, and also a Hispanic population. Um, you know, my two plus races, ethnicities. That's like me. So, shout out to those folks. And um, yeah. And again, this. For some of us, this is a, a, a felt experience of what's going on in dating, is like, my ethnicity strongly affects my experience in dating. So let's just acknowledge that is that's part of this conversation. All right, so let's move on to the next one. Uh, which best describes you? So this is kind of gauging out, like, uh, what has been your experience with dating? We've got some engaged and married folks in here in an exclusive relationship. Single and open, two are actively dating. Uh, <laughs> Single and not open to dating? Oh, yeah. All right. Good job. Cool. So as we are uh, checking this out, we can see that a lot of people in this room are single and open to or actively dating. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and I also want to acknowledge like uh, there's some people in this room who are single and they're, just, they're not really open to dating. They don't really want to do that right now. That's, that's good. That's welcome. Uh, in fact, whatever category you're finding self, yourself in right now, it's all welcome. Um, this needs to be a conversation that our whole community owns. Um, so thank you, especially to the, yeah, the 20 married folks out there who are just like, hey, I'm gonna be here to support this conversation in our church. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and uh, engage, folks. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, I feel confident about doing this, getting a little bit more kind of like qualitative. Uh, How do you feel? Let's just get a read of the room. How's it feeling? All right. There's an interesting little curve here, you know? All right. Well, this one looks right down the middle. I, I guess um, we should have removed the neutral option, <laughs> so forced you guys to say one or the other. But our, how we feel about dating, how confident we feel about it, uh, some of that has to do with how, how much experience we feel like we have, how much we feel like we understand how it works, um, uh, how, how many times we've um, tried and had to be resilient and get back up again after things fell apart, you know, I mean, all of these. Uh, play into our sense of confidence about dating. So I think, I I guess with the number right down the middle, it means we're all in good company. All right, so (laughs) let's move on to the next one. When was your most recent date? Within the last month, one to six months, six months to a year, over a year, never? Thanks for those responses and just being honest about it. So, um, yeah, a, a hefty crew of people. It was within the last month or so that you went on a date. Um, and I also just want to acknowledge that, um, you know, some people have never been on a date, and you're welcome in this space. Like, that's that's okay. And I also want to say, like, you're not alone. We care about you. In fact, some other people in that crew and um, people who it's been over a year since you dated, I, let's just drain any sort of shame things that come up in this, any sort of guilt things. That's not the voice of the Lord. This is all, this is just how it is. This is just, we can just look at all this neutrally. Um, let's move on to the next one. What is your experience with dating and the church? let select all that apply. So I grew up in the church and was taught courtship. Uh, dating was encouraged in my church through social events. I've only dated non Christians in my past. My church never talked about dating. Just select all that apply. Well, So, I I mean, a thing to notice, and part of why I think this conversation has been so welcome is, I mean, just look at that far-right thing. My church never talked about dating. Um, Yeah, this is a a long-overdue conversation to have as believers, so. Um, Let's move on to the next one. What are three feeling words? Oh, this is going to be a word map. All profanity has been uh, taken off, so. (laughs) Uh, Please, please don't test the censors. What are three feeling words that describe how you feel about dating right now? Is it right now? Yeah. Yeah, frustrated, anxious, uncomfortable, hopeful, excited, nervous, scared, fun, Impatient, annoyed, tired, ready, sad, silly, overwhelming, over it, doubtful, scarcity, tricky, meh, (laughs) discouraged, optimistic, apathetic, insecure, worried, unsure. Yeah, this keeps growing. So yeah, thank you all like uh so there's lots of different feelings um associated with dating, and it can as we can see here, it can span a whole range, maybe you can't read it all from where you're sitting, but um it seems like some of the the dominant words people are feeling are things like hopeful, anxious, frustrated, nervous, tired, hopeless, discouraged um and so we can see there's there's a mix of like things that. We're excited about it, we're hopeful about it, as well as we're anxious, we're worried, and so on. Um, Next up, which of the blow is a part of your dating story? Um, So, I've never been in a serious relationship, I've been in at least one serious relationship, I've been engaged, I've been married. Cool, so um, yeah, the, a significant you know, kind of max, uh, the highest level is I, I have been in a, at least one serious relationship. Uh, coming up next is I have never been in a serious relationship, and uh, people who have been married in this room, people who have been engaged. Um, so yeah, there's a, an interesting mix. Uh, most people have been in a serious relationship, it looks like. Let's go on to the next. Um, I am open and honest with my community about my dating experiences, even difficult ones. Yes or no? So um, yeah, this is an interesting one, I think. uh, This is acknowledging that our community life is a significant part of our dating life. Uh, There's a reason that we're having this conversation about dating in our church's year of authentic community. Uh, Authentic communities are open about their dating experiences. And so we can just acknowledge that for um, uh, the majority in this room, they are open and honest about that. And for some, you're not, right? Um, So let's go on to the next. Uh, I feel like my community is invested in my dating life. Yes or no? Yeah, if you're here with your CG, then maybe yes is the answer. <laughs> but you know, maybe you don't feel that way, so that's all right. Um, so, um, one one reason I just want to name that we're doing this is one to get a read in the room of just what what this what's going on in our church right now. But a second is to uh, that we could all build empathy a little bit with one another and realize like none of the none of us are in this alone. We're all part of a church that has a variety of experiences. Um, No matter what, there's somebody in this room who has shared in the experience that you have had in some way or another, all right? So first of all, just to set that up as like, um, to initially just break down the spirit of isolation that exists around dating, Um, we're in this together. We're experiencing these things similarly, right? And um, sometimes it's about making that connection with that person who you can trek through it alongside. Um, that's really important. Okay. Um, is there another one? Yes. All right. Um, I see the way that my faith in Jesus shifts fo- uh, shifts or informs the way I date. All right, so for lots of people, it's pretty clear to you, like, oh yeah, as a follower of Jesus, I get what dating means as a follower of Jesus. For others, it's less clear, all right? Um, And next one? Okay, that was the last one, thank you. All right. Um, So again, why why would we start off this way? First of all, it's, uh, it's because all of us carry a story and set of experiences and a come from when it comes to dating. All right, there's no person who doesn't have this, right? It's based off of our experiences, based off the things that we've learned. Some of those are regional, some are uh, part of our race or ethnic ethnic background. Some of those things are about our religious convictions, all of it. It's all on the table and and also nobody's alone in this. Uh, We have a couple big hopes for tonight. As we said, this is part of our year of authentic community. It's important that we have a conversation about dating and get some direction about something that is uh, kind of on the tip of everybody's tongue, actually, uh, uh, when it comes to community life. Um, I think a lot of people are invested in this conversation on an ongoing basis because it's a place where we experience a lot of need for help. Um, We might feel alone in it. We might want uh, some help from the Lord. We want people to pray through it with all of that. And our hope for tonight is that um, by, by meeting here tonight, we could be developing a compelling vision for what dating looks like in Christian community. Um, and some of that looks like undoing some things, all right? Um, it looks like undoing the, um, the, uh, the default patterns that are existing in our world, things like an extreme individualism and autonomy, right? This is my thing in my life. This is my. This is for me to figure out on my own. I got a lone wolf. This, that's it, right? Some of it's going to be undoing some like strong individualism. The other part, uh, which we've been talking about a lot over um, in during our sexuality series, is uh, the importance of undoing uh, romanticism as an ideology that has like thoroughly affected us uh, in our Disney-fied world, right? Like. Um, we all have the story. We are we are all raised with stories of the foundational, like the fundamental pursuit in life is a romantic partner, and that's what I gotta find. Nothing else really matters unless I find that, right? Um, and uh, that's just a falsity, right? So we're gonna be undoing some of these things, okay? Another thing that we're hoping for is that we're hoping that we leave tonight encouraged by God and one another and more invested in loving and honoring God and others in how we date. Um, so I hope tonight, like, at the end of it, you're just, like, so encouraged, like, heart-level encouraged. That's, I, that is what our team has been praying for. Uh, that's what we've been building up to for this last year, literally this last year. Um, and we're going to go through like a series of steps. We're going to do some teaching. We're going to have a panel. We're going to have some prayer time, uh, all of it geared toward this end, that you'd be encouraged, that you would uh, be feel more free to be loving and honoring to God and others in how you date. Um, so let me uh, be vulnerable with you real quick and just say um, there's some challenges even for me to talk about dating. Um, uh, well, first one, uh, this isn't on my list, but I'll just say it now because it's coming to mind. Uh, first is that uh, I, I'm a recently married man, and uh, which, you know, I'm so grateful for that. My wife's the best, and I'm so thankful for that. And, um, and uh, I became extremely invested in the topic of dating as a Christian uh, while I was still figuring it out, and I, I just needed to be invested in this because I was like, I need help. I need help bad. Like, I don't get this. I don't know how it works. Um, I need wisdom in this. And so I gave my life to the pursuit of wisdom around dating. And so now you all get to uh, reap the benefits of that, I guess. Um, uh, And I I acknowledge that, um, yeah, just as a married man, I think um, that has shifted my perspective in some ways. So I think I still have pretty high proximity to what it... It's not like you get married, then you forget what it's like to be single, you know? So... um, Yeah, so I still have high proximity to this, and I'm invested in these conversations with these people that I deeply care about and I walk through these things with on a regular basis. And also, this isn't my day-to-day, figuring out how to date as a single person. And yet, I also date my wife still, so all this still applies to her, so. Um, Yeah, I'm sure she likes that. Uh, So, some things that make it challenging to talk about dating um, is one that uh, people redirect to other topics. Um, what do I mean by this? Uh, let me just put up a quick slide. Um, so there's like aspects of the single life. There's lots of things. There's work, there's community, family, hobbies, dating, friends, etc. and miscellaneous. I couldn't think of two things, so I just... <laughs> 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 so just fill in the rest, okay? Um, so um, the, there, there's, lots of, there's lots of parts of, uh, of single life, right? And um, there's many that aren't, un, aren't listed, and I left two slices of the pie for it. Um, so uh, I just want to put on the table, first and foremost, um, we're, we're currently in this Singleness in the Kingdom of God series at our church. And part of what we have been talking about is um, how like, singleness in, in God's kingdom is a good option for life. In fact, it's considered even like a higher way, a way to focus on the things of God, things of God's kingdom, to not be divided in that way. And, um, and I just want to put on the table, before anything, uh, you don't need to date. You, like, if, if you don't want to, you don't need to at all, actually. Uh, it's actually a compl- 100% legitimate option if you're like, No, I actually want to be single, and I like it, and it's that simple. Um, So that is just an upfront thing. Um, This is not some sort of expectation that you need to be dating. That is not at all on this, on on tonight. Um, And yet, The point I was going to make about this is uh, we often redirect to other topics when we talk about dating. So uh, if if you're just like, hey, I wanna talk about um, dating as a Christian, and then people are just like, yeah, but how's your relationship with God, though? You know? Um, Oh, I'm needing help, like, figuring out how to date as a Christian. Like, yeah, but how about your work life, right? Like, I think there's there's a slipperiness to talking about dating directly um, that has existed kind of in the ether of these conversations, and I just wanted to highlight, this is our focus tonight, is talking about dating. So if we're, uh, you know, wisdom in dating, that's the focus of tonight. Um, So if you're wondering, like how come we're not talking about singleness? How come we're not talking about, like we might slightly touch on those things, but that's not gonna be our focus, right? It's about dating. The second thing that makes uh, a conversation about dating a little bit difficult is that uh, people want to hyper-nuance the topic. Okay, so there's like endless ways to slice the conversation around dating. In fact, let's go to this next piece. So if that's our focus on dating, we could talk about dating and faith and fun and gender and city life and texts and apps and social status and mental health and friendship and race and communication and finances, sex, work, family, pride, porn, community, marriage, Baggage, power, expectations, the Holy Spirit, or age. And uh, this isn't the whole list, actually. We could get into so many subtopics about dating. um, And we are going to touch on some of these tonight. But uh, as you look at this list, I want you just to kind of take mental note of, like, what would be your favorite uh, to talk about. Um, And I just want to say, hey, we might touch on it. Some, and we may, that may not be the focus of our conversation tonight. All right, so just to acknowledge that, okay? Um, the third reason that, uh, and this is the most obvious reason that I think it can be difficult to talk about dating as Christians, is that the Bible is not direct about how to date. Um, it's not like the Bible gives us a how-to manual. Um, uh, But also, like, the Bible doesn't do this about much of anything when it comes down to it. Like, the Bible doesn't exist as a how-to manual. Um, It doesn't tell us, like, how to keep a balanced budget. It doesn't tell us how to exercise or fix a carburetor or anything, right? But, But the Bible does give wise principles to live by, right? So though the Bible doesn't give us uh, direct instructions uh, about dating, there is wisdom that we can garner from God's word. And I think some of what uh, might, might really drive us to want the Bible to give us some really direct you know, teaching about this is uh, it would just be so much easier if it did, right? Um, if we just had a formula on down from high That was like, here's your step-by-step process to getting a girlfriend or boyfriend. Um, But instead, again, we are given wisdom principles to live by. Um, And I think there might be some, uh, some developmental purpose that God has in us for this, which is that by us learning about wisdom principles to live according to, we get to uh, practice self-control, we get to improvise along the way, we get to make it about a journey with God and other people. It pulls us into deeper relationship with Jesus in lots of ways. And, uh, and one of the ways that I think about it is we might want uh, God to have given us a roadmap with a clearly marked path about dating, but I think instead he gives us a compass it gives us something that will point us in a direction, and uh, and we'll get back to what that direction is. But first, um, a little bit of background about how tonight even happened. Um, uh, I have been observing in our church that there's been a need for this, uh, this sort of shepherding for quite a while. I came on staff at the church um, over three and a half years ago, and it was... It was just like, wow, we got a bunch of uh, like mid to late 20s to early 30s like core demographic in our church that is uh, dating. Uh, It seems to not be going that well for some people. (laughs) Honestly, like I feel like there's a lot of struggle happening. Um, At one point, I got to uh, give a sermon, and it was really clear that God was prompting me to speak more specifically about dating. At the time, I wasn't. I was dating, I was figuring it out myself. And uh, it just hit a nerve. And like, literally like half the church came up to me afterwards and was just like, hey, will you please say more about this? And um, that turned into starting a little podcast about it with um, my friend Candice Candelaria, Candice Thompson now. Um, She's a marriage and family therapist in the area. And um, together we just like started trying to serve our church and the broader Christian community in the world in this way. And uh, fast forward you know, another year. Um, one day after church, Jeannie Chen and Sharon Oh came up to me and they were just saying like, we gotta do something about the dating topic in our church. And I, my, my ears perked, I was just like, I'm ready to hop in, let's make this thing happen. And, uh, and so we just, we just started riffing on it, trying to, make, trying to make something of service to our church. And it started with some living room conversations, building some content for it. Then it turned into um, some larger workshops that um, some leaders in our church have been able to go through. And what we have tonight is a, um, is basically a version of that workshop adapted to a larger format, which you're all in right now. <laughs> Um, so that catches us up to speed. Um, and here's some of the things that we've found so far over the last um, year of hosting these little, uh, little conversations, workshops. First of all, we realize that uh, we need to double down on the pursuit of wisdom when it comes to dating. Um, we need to be lovers of wisdom. Uh, and that involves being listening people, uh, people who are hearing one another's experience, hearing one another's stories, uh, wanting to learn from them, and always looking to the way that the Bible can illuminate our path when it comes to dating. And here's some of the big themes that broke out out of our our workshops. So one of the questions that we asked was, what do you think is uh, is broken in our culture of dating? And some of the big themes, um, I'll walk through them with you. First was that, we're navigating a church culture and a broader culture at the same time. Uh, Dave spoke to this so well a few weeks ago about singleness. And in our church culture, kind of like the history of like, you know, Christian evangelicalism for the last 30 years or so, there's a strong uh, push toward Christian courtship, that's how we should be dating, uh, I kiss dating goodbye, this sort of mode of thinking and that became what I think a lot of people in the generation that our, our church is in, um, that was a heavy influence in our youth groups. Um, and, uh, and that is part of maybe the, the cultural baggage that exists within our church. Um, the second is in our broader cultural, uh, broader cultural moment. So uh, I mean this, uh, was spoken to very well by John Tyson uh, during our sexual formation series, but to recap and synthesize some of what he was saying, uh, we have a history uh, of what dating has evolved out of over uh, the last you know <laughs> he he said four four million years or something like that it was it was amazing he did a pretty expansive history of it um, and um, in modern history, the big thing that has completely changed it is apps and technology and online dating. Uh, we're in the middle of trying to figure out how, you know, like, if this is even a helpful thing for dating or not, actually. I think we're in a, a we're in the middle of a like, worldwide test of this is actually effective. Like, we're, we're, we are the market research specimen uh, <laughs> of all of these companies, and uh, is it actually helpful? I think that's that's one of the questions. And um, John Tyson said that even just the concept, though, of dating, that's not how it always was. Um, He says that in 1914, that was the first time the word dating was published. Um, Before that, there was a system of uh, courtship that was primarily housed within families, right? So it's your family connecting with that person's family, they talk about it, there's a little bit of connection or whatever, maybe there's a dowry involved, who knows, but that was, that was the history for a very long time. That is what dating looked like. Um, and now, uh, you know, I just recently watched the movie Meet the Patels, it was a great movie, it came out in 2014, and uh, Ravi Patel is uh, an actor in the LA area, and he was like in this relationship. Um, he himself, being an Indian man, uh, was in this relationship with an American woman. But trying to figure out, do I want to like maintain my cultural heritage, or do I want to adapt and evolve to like a different uh, ethnic um, ethnic heritage? And uh, he decided, like, I'm just going to give courtship in the style of my family. Uh, a try, and it, it's like this very interesting autobiographical piece where he goes on all of these arranged dates that his parents set up for him, and uh, him discovering is this a functional method for, for dating or not. And I think some of us in this room might just be like, I would love if my parents to set me up on dates. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do a quick sketch of this history. Um, just to say, we currently exist in a particular system of dating. And I say that this system has been optimized for individual choice and romance. So how do we maximize people having as much choice as possible, a swipe left, swipe right mentality? Let me Give me, give me endless options that I can choose from. As well as, uh, again, the Disney-fied version of this all, romance, um, I am looking for that person who I can fall head over heels for. Every rom com teaches me that. And um, and you know maybe maybe I just want to toss out there, there needs to be a, a massive overhaul of of the system, um, and one that instead optimizes for creating lasting love, one that optimizes for honor between people, and also a sense of family. So with that, I just pose a rhetorical question to you, just how did you learn to date? What, what informed that for you? And just think about that. Where did it come from? I, I think in lots of ways, it, it's sort of unconscious. We just kind of absorbed it from somewhere. And I want us to, um, to see just just how much there is, um, how much more there might be. Okay. Um, A second thing that we learned about what was broken was there's uh, a lot of us have past relationship and emotional baggage. Um, For some of us, like we went through that breakup at the end of college that was devastating for us, and we just haven't dated since then. Because to even reopen that possibility feels like it would open Pandora's box for us. And not only that, um, some of us have deep regrets when it comes to dating. And um, a lot of this is connected to sex. Um, A lot of it is connected to heartbreak, both having our hearts broken and breaking other people's hearts and knowing that we did it. And some of it, like there's there's real regret that we're dealing with. Um, And pain. And so that stuff's gotta be processed. It's gotta be, it's gotta be worked through, it's gotta be felt, it's gotta be forgiven, all of the above, right? And other aspects of this um, that we notice about the emotional baggage is that uh, some of where the emotional bag- baggage that exists around dating comes from our families of origin. So in our Emotionally Healthy Relationships series as a church, uh, Dave really aptly put it that our families live in our bones. Right, like the patterns, the way of living, uh, the emotional givens that our families functioned in, that just, we carry that, that lives in our bones in lots of ways. So for some of us, that feels like a baggage, just like, man, I feel in some ways doomed from the start due to how my parents were or something like that, right? And um, some of us, that is like the dominant narrative that we have going about dating. A third thing that feels broken is that dating feels like a chore. Um, it's, it's not just hard uh, to put yourself out there continually, it's like devastating, it's vulnerable, it takes a lot of time that I don't even have. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, uh, you have to like send Google Calendar invites for your date, right? Like, <laughs> and you have to set it for 45 minutes for drinks after work because that's the only time you have between all of your other obligations. And so, um, <laughs> you know, in that way, just culturally, it's rigged to be a task for us to deal with. Um, it's rigged to be a chore. A fourth thing that feels like it might be broken uh, has to do with the topics of idealism and expectations. Um, so, again, inherited from the Disneyfication of our universe. (laughs) Uh, Idealism, this is how it's supposed to be. Someday my prince or princess will come. And that has not only become uh, something that has sculpted our imaginations and captured our fancies, it has become the expectation that we have on the world around us. And so that means uh, if guys aren't being a certain way, well, something's wrong with them. If women aren't being a certain way, something's wrong with them, right? Because there's so many deeply held expectations or ideals uh, that in lots of ways are inflexible in our minds, uh, they become points of judgment. And so many of these things, so many go completely unspoken These are unspoken shoulds that we operate in. And as somebody uh, I know put it, we're just shoulding all over one another, all right? (laughs) Tons of shoulds, constantly. You should be this way, you should be that way. Dating should be this way. Um, And I'm not saying all those shoulds are wrong, actually. I think maybe some of them might be completely accurate. Um, but the thing that we're not discerning is how many of those shoulds are actually biblical or not, all right? Um, and not only that, so um, one of the things that we talked about in Emotionally Healthy Relationships is the importance of not mind reading but uh, community, uh, setting expectations, being in agreement with one another, right? Like. The things that we can appropriately expect of one another are the things that we have talked about and agreed to with one another. Uh, And I think as people of faith, also things that are in the scriptures, right? Things that are biblical, that are like in this book that we have all signed on to as like, hey, this is our standard for life, right? But again, uh, part of the uh, the difficulty in this situation is that a lot of these shoulds um, are, are not necessarily biblical, right? Instead, they're rooted in a sense of self-protection, uh, a sense of control, possibly, of others. Um, and some of it is, is just, I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not blaming, blaming anybody, I totally get it. Like, dating is a vulnerable process, and wouldn't it be nice if we could just con- control it around us, right? Like, um, rather than have to put our hearts on the line in a way that is bold and might actually lead to us hurting, if instead we treat the world with a bunch of shoulds that, um, that we can just kind of have unspoken in our head, it can, be, it can protect us. And I know this isn't the only reason that these shoulds exist, but it, I think it might be one when we're talking about what's broken, all right? We also asked about, like, what's our ideal? You know, if we were in a Christian community that was dating really well, what would we hope that would look like? And the first is exactly that, that it would be a supportive community. Um, that friends would be praying for our relationships, they'd be, they'd be, dating about, uh, they'd be praying about our dating lives, um, that they'd be giving referrals of people we might meet. Uh, these are some of the things people said, right? Uh, one phrase that uh, caught on during one of these workshops was the idea of chill matchmaking. Um, and it's chill because not everybody wants to be set up right? That's just a given fact, right? Not everybody wants to be connected with somebody. And, um, and so you have to have that conversation. But also, chill matchmaking might look like uh, having a whole bunch of people over for dinner and then letting it be what it is, right? Giving people opportunities to connect with one another. Uh, and one question um, that people have been uh, curious about with the supportive community is, just the, the question of, like, how is your single life going? How is your dating life going? For people to be curious about that. Which leads into another uh, ideal or hope that people have, which is for clear communication. Um, some of the difficulty that exists in dating is that uh, there's a lack of clarity around people's intentions. So, like, was this a date? Um, uh, I mean, the laughter just like shows this is a common experience that we have. Um, what, what did we actually break up in that conversation? Um, seriously, right? Like that, these are the things that are so um, so foundational, and yet some of the conversations aren't had with a certain, uh, a certain kind of clarity, right? where both parties are clear on what was communicated, and I'll just say, this takes more time than you think it might, all right? It, uh, it will, uh, a text won't cut it, usually. <laughs> like, I don't want to say ever, but um, you need to actually pause and have a conversation with somebody. Clear things up. Say, hey, I would love to take you out, could I, take you on a date next week, you know, these kinds of things, right? Like, naming it, clearly. Um, It's so funny that I need to say that in some ways. (laughs) But this is what people are saying, like, man, this would be really great. This would be great if this happened in our community, right? There's a lot more clear communication. A third thing is uh, more grace and humility. Um, I think this is directly in contrast to the uh, high judgment zone that exists in the broken way of doing things, but instead, uh, if I could go into a date knowing that this person is going to have a lot of grace towards me, yes. that they're going to be humble as they interact with me, and I get to do the same for them, right? Um, it looks like willingness to adapt and be flexible for other people, um, allowing for people to grow and transform over time. Um, even allowing for mistakes to happen, right? Sometimes we flub big time when it comes to dating. We say that thing that um, we really shouldn't have said. And uh, I think it's really important that grace and forgiveness and humility um, are part of it. And I think a lot of grace looks like an ability to forgive things and let things go. Uh, A caveat to this, um, There's some things that have been extremely painful and really hard to let go in our experiences. So um, this is a process, actually, um, but this is still the goal. It's a process, but it's still the goal. And the last one, uh, what's the ideal? Fun. All right. This is easy enough. Like, I don't feel like I need to explain this, but... We want to have fun when we date. It's uh, this shifting it from a feeling like a chore to like, man, this is a joy. Like, I'm so excited for this. Um, and so here's, that was just a little bit of reporting about uh, kind of like what, um, what we learned from doing this. Now let's look at what some of the scriptures might, uh, one section from the scriptures, how it might uh, illuminate our path forward So first of all, um, let's get clear about what we're talking about when it comes to dating. So uh, Dave and I were chatting about it one day, and I just kind of rattled off uh, a definition of dating. He was like, whoa, whoa, that's it. That's it. That's good. The way Dave gets excited about things, I love it. Um, (laughs) And this is what I said. I think dating is uh, a process of discovery uh, whereby we decide whether to be an ongoing, increasingly committed relationship or not. Uh, marked by love and honor for God and others throughout the process and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. I think this is how we can hold it as Christians, all right? Um, maybe the rest of the world might not add on that like pass the comma section about honoring God and others and the Lordship of Jesus, but uh, I think this is something that we could hang our hats on actually. Um, the first thing I'll highlight is that it's a discovery process, right? It's not a, um, a thing that we know right away. Actually, it's a thing that is unfolding. It's a process of discovery. Um, Maybe you're not, uh, maybe it's not love at first sight. Maybe it's something that you just have to discover and explore with a person. Um, And uh, you can tell I'm serious about this definition because I use the word whereby, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Whereby we decide whether to be an ongoing, increasingly committed relationship or not. Uh, I want to highlight here that the ongoing increasingly committed relationship, or not, um, there have been some of us who have felt like they have failed at dating because dating hasn't led to marriage. And um, I think that's, I just think that's a lie that I wanna do away with in our church. Um, Dating is a process where we get clear about if we're going to be committed for the long term with somebody or not, right? So if you got clear about that, whether it meant by making public vows to one another in marriage or by choosing to part ways, uh, those are both that dating has worked, right? Um, It happened, right. There was clarity arrived at. Um, And so I just wanna name that because for lots of us there's a um, a deep shame that we might carry uh, because we're, we didn't get married, or we dated lots of people and it didn't happen, and um, I just wanna say you're not a failure. Um, you, have, you have been faithful in the discovery. You have explored, you saw it through. Um, and now to focus on the second part, which is all about honoring God and others, and being submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. So um, one way I think we can discuss dating is through the lens of the triangle of transformation that we've talked about as a church. Um, in this triangle, like the way we can be transformed is through truth, practices, community, and the Holy Spirit. And um, this is what the rest of our evening is gonna look like. It's gonna be looking at different parts of this through different angles. We're gonna enter into some exploration of truth, look at the practices, being community with one another and activating the Holy Spirit, seeking the Holy Spirit's wisdom and guidance. Um, to speak into this for us. And um, why this, it's because dating is, is a transformative process, it just is. Um, now to get into the scriptures, because truth matters so much, is uh, Philippians 2, one through 11, I think can give us, oh well, wow, sorry. Um, <laughs> touched my face and that happened. Um, I think that can give us some uh, wise handles for how we relate to one another. but each of you to the interests of others. Think about this in the context of datings. In your relationships, including your dating relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What is that? Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth, under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." So I wanna highlight a couple shifts that I think this scripture invites us into that are gonna be helpful for us as a community seeking to date in a way that honors God and others and lifts each other up. Uh, The first is a shift from selfishness and vanity to humility in relationships. Um, I think you you kinda need to get below somebody to lift them up, right? Um, uh, Or else you're gonna really hurt your back, right? Uh, Um so when if dating is this process where we're we're loving others, we're being invested in them, we're building them up on a regular basis, it's going to take humility. Uh and humility that is in the mind of Christ, it's that sort of humil- humility that is self-emptying. And also um a big shift that I see in the scripture is a shift from a me-centric dating to other-centric. Um Just think about it, what if you gave yourself, humbled yourself for the encouragement and raising up of another person through dating? What if that was like the game you played in your mind when you were on a date, is how can I lift this person up? And one phrase that has stuck out in our conversations about this, connected to this, is the idea of committing to another person's flourishing. Going into a date, into a relationship, and just like, I am dead set on this person flourishing. Um, I think it's valuable, I think it's part of what it looks like to date in a way that honors God and other people. Um, It gets out of a me focus and into an encouragement and uplifting others focus. And, um, and I think it just plays out so well. That's the person you want to date, actually, is the person who's invested in your flourishing. right? That's an awesome date to go on. Um, some people refer to this as campground rules, like leave the campground better than you found it. Um, or, or maybe just never leave the campground, actually, too. Uh, another thing that I think uh, is important, has stand out, stood out as an opportunity for us to shift as a community, is to acknowledge that God disciples us through all things, including dating. Um, God, There's so much vulnerability in this process, there's so much like figuring things out, God is discipling us through all this. Um, this is ripe territory for God to s- disciple us. Another that we see is that um, dating is where we practice self-control. Um, some of this looks like in our uh, sexuality, but I want to think beyond this too. Um, this is about taking personal responsibility, um, not blaming the rest of the world for what 's going on, but instead, like I get to take self control I get to have an influence on this culture, this community and um, and the difference between this and other things is I think self control looks like personal responsibility. Um, the thing that we can we can Uh, go off course with is when we start practicing others' control, right? Uh, That's the contrast to it. Like, I need to control other people, I need to make them be a certain way. Um, And lastly, I'll finish here before we move on to the next portion, which is, uh, we need to be a community of honor and encouragement when it comes to dating. Uh, Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. What if this is the competition we were in? Like how can I be more honoring than the next person? What if that was the game that we're playing on a date? Um, And I think dating can actually be a place where we reclaim honor in our culture, uh, especially as Christians. Part of this looks like uh, healing divisions between people, healing divisions between men and women. Uh, What does it look like for people to really honor one another? Healing divisions uh, about Uh, Status, Um, what does it look like for us to really honor one another no matter what? Uh, Healing divisions around race and ethnicity, what does it look like to honor one another no matter what? And uh, this can look like a myriad of things. Um, So after looking at this scripture, which I think gives us a little bit of a compass uh, to live according to, it is about uh, outdoing one another and showing honor. It is about having the mind of Christ, which is the mind of humility. It is about lifting each other up, letting go of our selfish ambitions, our vain conceit, being invested in what others are invested in. Um, I think this gives us some direction as a community.
2: Okay, hi. We're really excited um, to share and demonstrate this spiritual activity that's really practical but really powerful. And just to give you guys a heads up, the people that have been involved in the freedom and dating workshops in the past I think a year and a half or so, yeah. this has been the most impactful part of their experience. So, a little Red Bull, get, keep you guys alert. Um, for basically the start of it is just, our first step is really we're confessing a lie that we believe about ourselves, and then secondly, we're posturing ourselves to receive the truth, God's truth through one another. Um, and so, part of that is gonna reflect the truth in scripture, a verse in 2 Corinthians, Yeah, so the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So especially that last part, just the thoughts that go through our head that just kind of go there. We think they're truth, but a lot of these are lies. And so we're just trying to expose it and really displace that with the truth. And so ultimately through this regular practice of what we're gonna demonstrate and do t- all together, we're actually being transformed by renewing our minds. Um, and ultimately this yields the fruit of us being able to more clearly understand God's heart for us, like how he views us uh, versus ourselves, the patterns of the world, the enemy, and also having more clarity about God's kingdom purposes for our lives. So I'm really excited for that. I'm gonna hand the mic over to Sharon, who's gonna walk us through the demo and the instructions for the whole group.
3: Uh, Hi guys. I'm mic'd up actually. Um, Okay, so moving on to some ground rules. So like Jeannie said, this is a place to be really vulnerable and also just really leaning on the Holy Spirit here. Um, So I'm going to ask everyone to group or form groups of three. I also encourage you if you're in a relationship with someone and that person's next to you, um, this would be a time to maybe take the time to form a group without that person because it's helpful to just bring up things that maybe um, be on your heart kind of on your own. so we're gonna demonstrate it for you. Again, ground rules. Um, as Jeannie shares her lie, Brooke and I will be countering that lie, again, leaning on the Holy Spirit. And uh, the, the, as she shares her lie, we're just gonna listen, and then we're gonna lean on the Holy Spirit to counter it. And that blessing should always be affirming, encouraging, and um, a place to really f- allow that person to feel safe and hear God's voice. Um, does that sound good? Yes. Okay.
2: Hi, Brooke. Me. <laughs> so these are real lies that they, they yeah. have been. Um, so just to give you guys brief context, I've been, you know, lived. I feel like I've, I've lived a very full life as a single person uh, for many, many years. And uh, recently I've been in, entered a committed dating relationship with someone in the past few months. And so it's been going great, he's a godly, kind, thoughtful man, and it's been really sweet. But, but I'm, I'm feeling these, anxious thoughts come up, this anxiety, like, um, and every time I think about the future, like engagement, marriage. And I think the lie that I'm believing about myself at this time and this relationship is that um, marriage ultimately (laughs) will be uh, suffering, I'll lose all my freedom, I'll Mm. I'll lose a part of myself, and ultimately I may regret it.
3: And this, this is like a true lie that I'm
2: sharing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so Brooke and I are actually just going to take a second to pray um, and then share. Um, The other thing I I forgot to mention, eye contact is very powerful in this space. I know it's uncomfortable, um, but it does really empower that moment. So I encourage eye contact. Um, Jeannie. I bless you to know that God is always your comfort in no matter what circumstance and he really is trustworthy and you can trust him, whether a single or married in the future, he's got it in his hands. And his rod is, is a very powerful rod and you can lean on that truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeannie, I bless you to know that God's love is perfect and it casts out all fear and that you can mm. trust him during the season uh, from going from single to in a dating relationship and that uh, you can cast all your anxieties on
4: him. Mm.
2: Yeah, so that, that was really powerful. I could already sense the anxiety just being reduced just from their truth. And it's really powerful what you hear from them. So, you know, in case you forget, write it down because if they're hearing from the Holy Spirit, this is going to counteract the lies that are swimming there in, in your mind and heart.
3: So actually, Brooke is going to share, just to demonstrate one more time. Yeah, so uh, I grew up, uh, I was obese from eight to like 20 years old. And so I never went to homecoming, never went to prom. Um, and I always thought that I, from from that day on till now, always thought I had to be better, or the best at like work or uh, just anything that I did. And so I think that I'm not worthy, or uh, I'm not able to be in a relationship, even though I'm in a relationship right now.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's
0: the lie that I'm believing.
2: Okay, I bless you, Brooke. Um, actually, I felt since then, even in your story and just the transformation that he's done, both internally and externally, he's b- been part of that whole journey. And he, as a as a child of God, he takes you from glory to glory, and you are like more than enough, more than enough,
3: Brooke. I, uh, I really get this angst of like authority in this space. There are so many people who can relate to this feeling of unworthiness. And I think of Joseph who suffered through a lot and ultimately was like such a favored <laughs> son of God. And I just, I just really sense your authority in this area. So I bless you to walk in that authority and not in the fears of the past. Yeah. Um, all right, now your guys'
1: turn. <laughs> This final part I, is going to be a panel of uh, different people who, um, who are going to talk maybe a little bit more about the practical angles about this. Like, how does this play out in a normal relational life? And uh, let me just invite up that panel, uh, Jess G, our lovely, lovely, yeah. super queen. Oh my, just get up here. Um, um, I, she's gonna be moderating this. So I, don't get me started about how much I love Jess. And then um, there's going to be, um, four other people um, who are going to be up here. Um, it's going to be Moses, Sharon, Steven, and Chelsea.
3: can't
5: get used to this mic thing. I know. It's weird. Huh? <laughs> All right. How are you guys doing? Oh, wait, mics? Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs>
6: Hello? Hello? Testing? Mm.
3: Great. <laughs> hey, by the way, thanks for your singleness oh gosh, sermon thanks. yesterday. <laughs> yes, seriously, guys, though. Guys. Seriously, though. I was, like, so moved.
5: <laughs> this is about dating. <laughs> I'm just saying uh, it, was,
3: it was compelling for me as an engaged person.
5: Yeah. Um, OK, before we start, um, we all don't know you. So let's share mm-hmm. a little bit of, like, lightning round. Um, what's your name? how long you been here at Reality, and what's your current dating status? Maybe a fun fact, too, if you want to throw that in there, too. Uh, yeah, go with yeah, Sharon.
3: Yeah. Uh, my name is Sharon, and I've been at Reality for about a little over five years, I think. Um, I dated between like 16 to 22, then took a big hiatus, um, really like a variety of things. And then from 22 to 30, did not date. And then at 30, you met this one, and now we're engaged. So. <laughs>
6: Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Steven. I've been at Reality about a year. My history is all in the church. So, grew up in the church, went to Christian college, thought I was going to get married in college. Obviously, it did not happen, praise the Lord. Um, and yeah, I've been at Reality a year. So,
7: was your fun fact?
6: Oh, I'm engaged to her. <laughs>
7: uh, okay. That's my uh, fun fact. <laughs> I'm Chelsea. I've been at Reality for, I think, six years now. Um, Dating history, I grew up in the church as well, but I've done dating in the church as well as outside of the church. And um, fun fact, uh, I know sign language.
4: Hi, I'm Moses. Uh, I've been at Reality for six years now. Um, Grew up in the church, my dad's a pastor, but um, took some time off as a young man. (laughs) 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 But I'm all in, and I'm here now. Been a Christian for a long time. Um, So I've dated inside and outside of the church and we're gonna talk about that.
5: Great, so uh, this first question actually is with Stephen, for Stephen, and all the rest of you guys can chime in. Um, But what are your thoughts on starting out as friends first before dating?
6: Um, Personally, huge fan. Um, Sharon and I actually met my first Sunday at Reality. Um, We became friends really quickly, friends for about a year. Um, And I started to be attracted to her. Um, And for a long time, it's a long time, I I was like, do I say something, do I not? It could ruin our friendship. And I realized, I was like, at at some point, we're gonna stop being close friends, right? At some point, I start dating somebody, she does too. Like, we drift apart, we're not gonna be this close. So I might as well go for it. Mm, So I would encourage that into the spectrum. Um, I would say, if you do say, hey, I have feelings for you, give them some time. Um, because they may not say it right away or it may surprise them. Um, So feel free to say, hey, I like you, but, you know, you don't have to say anything right now. Um, But, yeah, in terms of like friends first, huge fan.
7: Great. Do
5: either of you guys have anything, Chelsea or Moses? Sure.
7: Okay. I'm also a fan. Uh, I've been in relationships that started as friendships. I think one thing that, or one perspective that I bring as someone who's newly-ish 30, um, is that I don't make a lot of new guy friends all the time. So unless there's like someone new to my CG or like a friend of a friend, I don't meet a lot of like new guys that I become friends with all the time. So that dynamic I think can be a little challenging. Um, But I think in general sort of like my rule to myself is to look at everyone as a friend or potential friend. Um, We're all brothers and sisters, Um, hopefully we'll all be in heaven together. Um, So if I look at people as friends, then it kind of takes the pressure off, so yeah, I'm a fan.
5: Great. Okay, so this next question actually goes to Moses, and and the rest of you guys can chime in as well. Uh, But what does it take for you to ask a girl out, and what could make it easier?
4: (laughs) Um, so
3: <laughs> you're on the spot, Moses.
4: I'm pretty straightforward, so um, I don't have a problem. So the advice that I've gotten from female friends <laughs> is that um, they usually, if they are attracted or interested in in a man, that they don't have to do too much. Um, you don't have to do like this whole song and dance. If they're interested, they'll say yes. If they're not, they'll graciously say no. So what I do is I say, "Are you single?" And if they are, then I ask them out. But um, <laughs> but I have heard that different men have different levels of comfort around approaching women that they 've never met before they don 't have a relationship with so to your question around um, how can women make it easier, I do think that I think about the times that I have um, ask girls out where they're talking to all their friends and I have to interrupt them, or like (laughs) fight through like a group of girls in order like just to get her name. And so I know that like shyer guys or guys that aren't used to approaching girls probably wouldn't do that ever. Mm -hmm. And so if we could just like create this culture where Mm -hmm. we're talking to people we don't know, um, we're getting to know everyone that we go to church with, I think it would be easier for guys to approach women.
5: Great. Do you guys have anything else? Any of you? Okay. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. This one is for Sharon, actually. And how Mm. has race played a role in your dating story?
3: Oh, wow. I just went there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
5: Uh,
3: So uh, it's a little bit longer of an answer, but I would say there are two things that I said to Steven when he shared his feelings for me. The first one was, do you know that I'm 30? Steven is five and a half years younger than me and I have a lot of ageism in me. So, we can talk about that later if you're curious. Um, the second thing was, do you, do you know that I'm Korean? Like, I, I do you not know that? But I think what was happening... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On a deeper level, I think once I process that, what's happening within me is, my history is I've only dated people of color. Um, I dated a Korean and an Ecuadorian guy. I've never dated a white guy. Um, and I think what was rising... <laughs> or since, Till Steven. Uh, What was rising in me was one, truthfully, I think I had a hard time with, I hate admitting this, but like, oh, a white guy would like me? Like, there was a bit of that in me, I think, subconsciously. On the flip side, I also felt like, oh, I'm a sellout. Like, I'm gonna be a sellout if I go towards this. Um, So, I know, really real. Um, And I had to wrestle through that. It took me seven weeks to say yes to a first date, and I had really wrestled through a lot of those things. Um, it also shows up later. It's ongoing. Um, I remember the first time we had a conversation about privilege, and that was like a five-hour conversation, and it was tough. It, it's a lot of debate and back and forth. Also on a practical level, like in premarital, something that came up was, oh, I expect to send cash stipends to my parents. Like That's, that's like in my brain already. And he looked at me like I had three heads. He was like, why would you ever do that? And I was like appalled. <laughs> <laughs>
6: I've I've never heard of that before.
3: Yeah, and then I was kind of offended because he's like looking at me that way, right? And so I think there's this interesting dynamic when it comes to race. Um, The last thing that I'll say to answer this is at the end of the day, I really had to go back to knowing the truth that my identity is not my race. Um, And I am truly, my truest identity is being the daughter of a king and um, that king died for me. And so I think every time we have these difficult positions, we are forced to enter into that space and that's how we walk through it. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's real, though, it's real. Yeah.
6: and it's, it's very real, even as we work through, through the wedding and different pieces and there's even just cultural aspects of our families that we have to figure out. Um, like, how does, how does that happen? Um, The good thing about coming from two different cultures is we can kind of choose the pieces of our culture that we want to bring into the marriage And also put aside the things we don't want to um, that if you come from the same culture, you don't have to think about as much Um, so like my my encouragement would would be to you is Is ask yourself like do I only date people within my race and if so just just why just an honest question Um, And then maybe consider someone that's that's not in your race Um, be open to it is my encouragement
7: Great, thank you. Well, oh, go ahead. I mean, I, was, I feel very challenged by that, so thank you, Steven. Um, most of my dating history has been other white guys, um, so it's really good for me to hear your guys' story, and just even, like, your challenge to all of us um, really speaks to me, too, of, like, why why is that, and do I have a certain lens, and how can I take that lens off, and um, is that an area that, like, I haven't centered to God, or that I, you know... Um, keep tucked in for certain reasons so yeah I thank you guys for sharing that it's an encouragement great and so this question is for Chelsea Uh,
5: what does it mean when you say yes to a coffee with someone
7: oh coffee I feel like coffee is so loaded in Christian community like it's, it's not clear. Like we had the slides earlier about clear communication, and I was thinking about this question. Like Coffee is not always clear, and part of that is the person asking you to coffee, right? Um, so coffee can be kind of friendly, or it can be really clear if it's for Moses, I guess, that it's a date. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for me, yeah. I think there have been variations of how I've um, perceived coffee to be when I've been asked to coffee. Uh, But I think now my sort of stance is, if I get asked to coffee and I have the option to say yes or no, um, I like to take the pressure off of it and be like in this posture of, this is an opportunity to get to know someone. Like human to human, no matter what the outcome is, whether we date, we stay friends, we just say hi at church, whatever that is, um, yeah, I have an opportunity to get to know this person. and just to keep it, yeah, light at that and just see where it goes. If I can, the one thing I
3: used to, I remember when this happened pre-Steven, I I remember I used to say, it's like not a no (laughs) from a girl's perspective. Like, guy friends would ask me that. What does it mean when a girl says yes to coffee? And I would say, it's just not no. It's (laughs) like, it's a weird dance. Uh, But it's almost like a safe way of being like open, but like curious, but you haven't really won her over yet. That's my personal... You're vibing it out. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
5: This one is actually for Sharon and everyone else, but it says the saying is that, quote, nice guys finish last and I have often found that to be true. Why do you think that is?
3: Uh, I like. I wish I could talk to the person asking this question because I think nice is such. Like, I'm I'm curious on what nice means to this person. Um, I will say there there definitely is truth to that. There is, and I've been that girl, and I'm sure a lot of girls here have been that girl of um, having whatever issues with dad or family of origin or past boyfriends where you're attracted to the wrong type of guy. So the emotionally unavailable, um, and that's definitely broken. And also for the, the guys wondering this, I would say, I would challenge you too, if you're always attracted to that type of girl, I would push back on why that is too, um, because I think it takes two. Um, but to address the question a little bit differently, I would say nice guys, in, in my experience, are great. Passive guys can generally finish last. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Um, so passivity is different from like being nice. Um, and so. Like even a very basic example that I can think of is like from a text message, like what are you up to? If, you're really, if your intention is that you like this person, um, a text saying like what are you up to versus hey, do you wanna get coffee at 10 a.m. on Saturday? Those are very two different experiences for a girl. <laughs> um, and so I would encourage you to kind of step in that. And if you've already done that and that's still a cycle, then I don't know, I'm just, I just wonder like what nice means, I guess, yeah.
6: I would say, as a guy who tends to be more nice and truly more passive, I have learned a lot how to be how to be active in my relationship with her. Yeah. So there's, there's times when she's called out, "Hey, like, this, is, this is passive here." Um, and it's an opportunity for me to actually step into that and realize that there's times where I am not leading well, and it's actually an opportunity for me to go, "Wow, I, I can actually be active here," um, where my tendency is to actually step away. Is actually an opportunity for me, as a guy who tends to be more passive, is a call to say, "Hey, should I be active here?" And then to step into that.
7: Um, I'm going to kind of double back a little bit just to also acknowledge that I've been in a bad boy lover recovery for a few years now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the cool thing is, is that as I continue my dating journey, um, I'm finding godly characteristics to be more attractive. Uh, so, like being kind and generous and compassionate and humble, like, those are almost, like, B.A. It's it, it's like a rebellion against um, our secular culture, right, which is very self-centered. So um, I think that you can be a nice guy, um, but what does that really mean? Like, are you humble, are you generous, are you kind? Those things um, are the positives of being nice. And I think that you can be that whether you're, shy or outgoing, um, and, and I think to just acknowledge, on the spectrum of personalities, you know, there's like the, the sevens, right, of the enneagram, who are like super outgoing and like gregarious, right, and then there are people who are a little bit more shy, and I think regardless of your personality type, having confidence and putting yourself out there, no matter what that looks like for you, is really attractive.
4: Yeah, I, I would just say that um, yeah, I think in church communities, nice guys do okay, but um, <laughs> I, I, they tend to do okay. But I would say, though, that maybe maybe an equivalent, if I could switch that a bit, is that I do think that shy guys do finish last. Mm-hmm. And that um, when I do, you know, I listen to my single female friends, it's almost like a non-negotiable for them that if a guy is shy, if he's like maybe nervous about approaching them. If he doesn't take that that first step, it's like non-negotiable, they won't engage and they're not sort of interested in them. And um, I don't know, I don't think it should be that way. I would just encourage folks to maybe sort of step out of that Mm. comfort zone and if guys are shy, maybe give them a chance.
5: Mm. All right, so this question is, uh, started with Moses and then open to everyone, but is why are men or women so interested in being my friend, but never in pursuing a romantic relationship? what has made the difference between being friends and a person to pursue romantically for you?
4: Right. Um, (laughs) So I think in general, you know, when people are choosing between whether this is a romantic interest or someone is a friend, it's based on whether they're attracted to them. So I think often if, um, I think something people do is when they're not attracted to someone, they will say, oh, let's just be friends. I don't know how often they mean that, Um, I'll definitely say I've definitely asked girls out before and they're like, no, like, let's be friends, though, and I'm like, girl, you don't mean that. And they did They definitely didn't mean that. Um, But I I think it's unfortunate, though, because um, I always call on my CG, the ladies in my CG. Um, (laughs) If you guys know, if you guys know the ladies in my CG, like, they're the most intelligent, independent um, women that I've ever met. Like, their friendship Mm -hmm. has been such a blessing to my life and... Um, I care about these ladies so much and, um, it should be that way with everyone in the church. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was definitely that guy that when I first came to church, I'm looking for girls I'm attracted to period. Like I wasn't trying to make friends and (laughs) do, do all that. And I mean, it would have been such a loss, uh, for me if, If I would have ended up with someone, but I didn't spend time being rooted and cultivating these friendships. So um, I think sometimes single guys, we're selling ourselves short by um, putting our blinders on and only looking for uh, love and not friendship.
7: Yeah. Um, Can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you think that attraction can grow? So like maybe you're not initially attracted, but you're like around someone and your friends and then you find yourself becoming attracted.
4: So I think that happens with women all the time. No, no. It's
7: true. It's true. <laughs> it's all right. We'll
5: hear you out. We'll hear you out do you know? Do you know what I mean? We'll hear you out. I get it. Do you know what but I mean? I'm tracking.
4: I'm tracking with you. Got it. You know what I mean? So yes, we're tracking with you. I hear in my anecdotal you know, <laughs> evidence that I have that I have heard women say that like, oh, the guy that they're with, they weren't physically attracted to him, but they got to know him. They developed an emotional bond with that person. And now they're deeply in love. I. I I don't know how often that happens with guys where um, they're like, you know, she's not my type. I'm not interested in her. But as I got to know her, you know, love develop. I don't know how common that is. But what do you guys think?
3: <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Yeah, he wasn't, no. I,
6: I can say we were not attracted we to really each other We really were not, all. you
3: guys. Like, <laughs> like so, no joke.
6: Like We spent a lot of time talking about other people we were getting yeah. interested in. Um, and I would like wing, site, like
3: wingman, it like I would be like, oh, who's the girl? Like and I would try to like get them together with her. Mm-hmm.
1: So
6: it, it does happen for guys too, <laughs> yes. though, though perhaps more rarely.
3: The, the flip side to the question though, I would say is being a girl during like my single life, uh, I was categorized like the bro or like chummy chummy with a lot of guys in general. Um, I would say though, it's easy to fall into, you have to know your boundaries in general. So if you're falling into a space where you are falling for a person or growing feelings and it's clear that it's not headed towards that, then just be aware of where your boundaries are and, and have some you know, guardrails there. And it's okay to step back. Even if you know, you've become really close to that person, it might be wiser for you to st- take a step back.
5: Um, yeah. It's good, I like that you guys just said to be open and clear communication. Those are key, yeah. Um, let's see, we have just a couple more questions, and this one goes to, first starting Steven and Moses, but how do men feel about strong women? Do they actually like strong women?
6: I would say Sharon is a very strong woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and what I've said before is, is, like, here in San Francisco especially, we have a lot of really strong women. Um, you're crushing your career, is killing it, like, just, just powerful women. Um, and, and the like, response is kind of like turn that down a little bit when you date. Like don't kind of like push on that man's toes or like make him feel not manly or whatever. Um, I, I would not encourage that or reiterate that by any means. Um, I would encourage you to let your gentleness be seen. Um, one of the most attractive things I find in Sharon is her gentleness. And that, that doesn't mean turning your, your personality down. It may mean being vulnerable or asking for help or saying, hey, I I really like it when you do this for me, or hey, I feel really valued when you serve me like this. Um, It doesn't mean turning yourself down, but it it may mean being vulnerable and letting your gentleness be seen.
4: Um, I I love strong women. I I don't have a problem with it. Again, though, based on feedback that I have heard from women <laughs> that are strong, um, you know, no, I have again, ladies in my CG, like my, they're literally they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're PhD students, and the feedback that I've heard from them is that they feel like they are penalized um, about their because of their profession, that um, they do feel like they have to sort of, I don't know if dumb down is the word, but they can't truly be themselves um, without emasculating uh, mm-hmm. uh, the men. So I think that is something that's happening.
3: And as a girl who kind of lived into that strength for a good portion of her life, I really, you guys, was focused on my career. Like the way I walked around is just like I don't need you. I don't need you. Like just on my face. Um, <laughs> I have RBF. If you guys don't know what that is, natural RBF. Um, but towards like the back half of those years, I think God was really working in me and I was going through a lot of emotional healing and working in counseling and therapy. Um, and through that, I, just, I, I almost saw like, it's not that the strength diminished, it's more this other side of me that was always there, got a place to like show itself. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I think about, yeah. So yeah. I encourage you, it's possible. Vulnerability is hard, but it's very uh, rewarding too, or it can be, yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. And for us men, like, there are times where I'm intimidated by Sharon's career, how good she is, and how, how well she's done. And as, as men, feel free to like, acknowledge if that's there, as a man, like this, this woman is amazing, and like, her career actually intimidates me, like, feel free to like, acknowledge that to yourself. And then ask, okay, like, what am I gonna do about it? Right? Like, can I admit that to myself, can I work through it, can I focus on it, can I, can I process that? Or is it gonna like, totally push me away from this person? Because like, that's, that's the wrong response,
4: right? Can I add something? Do we have time? Yeah. Um, so I was just thinking, as you guys were talking that um, I've heard a lot of you know single women say that you know guys aren't approaching me. Um, how come no one is asking me out, But at the same time, I also have like a lot of guy friends in church that they're like, I ask girls out all the time. I get shot down all the time. I'm not shy. It's not that I'm not trying. It's just the girls keep saying no. And I'm wondering if there is um, if often guys that don't work in tech. Um, Maybe they're not super ambitious, maybe they're not college educated, Um, maybe they're asking girls out a lot and they're getting rejected. Um, Mm. So I don't know, just throwing that out there. Mm.
7: I'm not only accepting applications from tech bros, so... (laughs) 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 But, but, But no offense to the tech bros, that's great too. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm not actually accepting applications, but I'm just open,
5: to
7: yeah. For coffee.
4: Yes.
5: For coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I,
3: I'm just thinking about your question, I haven't thought about it in a long time, but I think it's definitely there, at least it, it is for me. It's hard to me right now to imagine what that would be like, because I haven't really walked through it. Uh, but I could imagine myself wrestling, yeah.
5: Okay, the last question. Is there anything that you haven't said that you'd like to share as a thought piece of advice before we wrap up? Like maybe this is so-and-so that's helped me in my dating process or any other last thoughts um, for that. So we'll start with Chelsea.
7: Yeah, this is actually my favorite question. Um, I think for me and my just cultural um, dating background, Um, For a lot of my life, I've idolized marriage and dating and relationships. Um, And really the biggest thing that I think has helped me find freedom in the last, I would say, like year and a half or two years, is really just that like taking the lens off myself. Um, Finding something that was bigger than me. And I don't necessarily mean God because that's that's there too. But something um, like what's happening in the world that just like wrecks my heart. What's something going on that really motivates me to help people? Or in my case, like, I love animals, so um, I found my niche with rescue dogs. Um, But what's something outside of me that just, like, makes me forget about my own relationship desires? And not in a way of ignoring that, but I've found that when I don't focus so much on my own fleshly desires for relationship, and and even the intimacy, too, um, that I'm more content. And that I'm more able to be open and to meet different kinds of people um, and not place those expectations that we talked about um, on other people because I feel um, filled up. I feel like I have a purpose um, outside of that um, tendency to idolize. So, yeah, I would just say um, what I would tell my younger self or what I would encourage other people is, yeah, what moves your heart? Um, what kingdom work really moves you? Like, what what out there is sort of calling you and to chase after Mm -hmm. that? And then as you're doing that, like, look who's around you. Like, look to your left and your right. Like, who else is sort of like running this race with me? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that you'll find community, whether romantic or not, um, Mm -hmm. in doing that, so. Mm
5: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anybody else want to add anything? Final thoughts?
4: Sure. Um, (laughs) I, I, I would say that, I mean, if you're single, I love that um, we spent so much time doing family of origin work this year. Um, I think that's so essential to um, understanding, like, where does your perspective on on marriage, on women, on dating, where it comes from. Um, and to really, I, I love. I was thinking about, what's that verse that seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. That um, if we focus on the spiritual aspect around um, marriage and what it means for us, then uh, I think that's a good place to start.
6: We, we had one question come up in a couple of the seminars that said I've, I've seen a lot of men be like committed and jump into something and then back out. And they said like, what's, what's going on there? Um, just to kind of clear the air, I want to say women, it's, it's not you, it's not your fault. Um, I'd say almost always it's, it's on us men. I know at least in my personal experience when I've done things like that, it's been because of either emotional intimacy or past relationship baggage. Um, so for the men, I would encourage you, like, therapy is amazing. Um, spiritual direction, counseling is is so good to work through that family of origin pieces, to work through that stuff that's just, like, really heavy on us and keeps us from intimacy and connection. Um, and women, I just say it's, it's not on you. Um, it's really on us men to, to step up and, and heal and, and get healing for the pieces and just baggage that, that we carry.
3: Um. The last thing I'll say is I feel like when I was single and wrestling through a lot of that, I, I think it was easy to think that God is not in it or that God's not a part of the process or he doesn't care about that part of my life because it's like a selfish desire or it's, like not, it's not necessarily needed. Um, and I kind of want to reclaim that. I think God is in all aspects of our hearts. And so I, I really want to encourage everyone to really connect there with God. Um, God cares about the dating experience and how to do it well. And so he's more present and there and available than we often think. So, yeah,
5: that's it. Great, let's give them a hand. They drew great. Yeah.